Live from the J.C. Newman Cigar Studios in Boston, Massachusetts, welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show with your hosts, Matt Tobacco and Smokin' Nicole. All right. So I don't know what happened, but we lost our, <laughs> we lost our like, our monitoring audio, so I couldn't hear the end of the, the recorded intro. So I don't know what happened. But there. welcome, everyone. But welcome to the Smokin' Tobacco Show, everybody. Uh, my name is Matt Tobacco from SmokinTobacco.com. I am joined once again by my beautiful fiance, Smokin' Nicole. And tonight, the authority is here with us. That's right, the Cigar Authority. Barry Stein of the Cigar Authority, or Barry Bellavo, depending on who we ask. Uh, he's here with us to present us with the authority on information in terms <laughs> of cigars. <laughs> Barry, welcome to the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate you guys having me. It's uh, good seeing you guys virtually, and uh, I look forward to our time spent together. Oh, it, absolutely. Likewise. I mean, it, out of all the guests on the show, you're one of the only ones that's actually within a, a quick drive away from us. So seeing you virtually is kind of strange. Um, <laughs> you know, you had, Weller, you had Weller on the table before, so now I'm kind of upset that I wasn't invited to do it live. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Although we've never had anyone do it live with us, which was something we we got to try in the just future. Just John once. I think, yeah, live. just John one time. Um I, does that really count, though? Because, I mean, he's kind of like part of the internal. We've never had like an exterior guest who's not affiliated. That's true. But I think we're going to burst that in a couple of weeks because we have to do our show live from TPE. That's <laughs> so true. So we're going to be there. Someone's going to jump on. <laughs> Some, someone will jump on. Um, no, but, you know, we're really excited to have Barry on the show. You know, Barry, you've been in the um, you've been in the industry for a little while now. And you, I know you've seen a lot of things. Things come and go. Things change. Um, so really excited to kind of get your opinion on kind of a lot of different things. Um, you know, what you, th wh how you feel about where the cigar industry has gone as a whole, where cigar media has gone. Um, but we'll get into that in a little bit. Let's start off by talking about what we're smoking. Barry, as our guest, what are you smoking? I am smoking a Atabay Brujos. Um, pulled out the big guns. Which, yeah, pulling out the big guns, and it's from, it has an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, but binder and fill are a top secret, and it's made by Nelson Alfonso Selected Tobacco, and it has a retail price of $27. And you can find that at, at twoguyscigars.com. Two Sorry, I cut you off. I tried to steal your thunder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am going to be lighting up, um, well, not the exact size, but the... All Saints St. Francis, the Robusto. Now, the Toro was the Cigar Authority Cigar of the Year. I'm smoking the Robusto. Uh, this cigar retails for $11.59 per cigar, or get a box for $227.99. And Nicole, what are you smoking? Um, so I'm smoking the McAuliffe A in honor of the kickoff of McAuliffe Madness. Ooh, that's right. It's that time. Um, and uh, I'm smoking the Toro. It is $8.39 a stick. And for a bundle, um, you can get one for $149.99 at twoguyscigars.com. That is, Barry. What is that? If you're too far away from a brick-and-mortar retailer that carries it, try twoguyscigars.com. That's the number two, guyscigars.com. Oh, oh my god oh like, wow <laughs> we just it was out. really nice to hear you say that <laughs> like on a different show <laughs> oh man that's how the cigar authority kicks off every week yeah actually you read that twice during the cigar authority yeah um, twice and i still fumble over it multiple <laughs> times um we do have quite a few comments coming in um barry's still at work today <laughs> 
<laughs> virtually. <laughs> virtually. He's, at work. he's virtually at work. <laughs> hey, someone's yeah, got to keep that shop going. Say again? So someone's going to keep that shop going. If they can't let me stay after hours, the inventory would have a major issue because I'd be smoking all the profits. Yeah. I think this is my ninth cigar today. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised. And that's, I'm not surprised. Um, but no, that was great. Um, this, uh, that, I was really looking forward to that because it's a two guys segment. I got you here. I knew you were going to read it. Oh, that, was, that was awesome. Um, but, you know, speaking of, you know, two guys, the Cigar Authority, that's where you are now. Um, but that's not where you've always been. Where, how, what was kind of the, the beginnings of your uh, entry into the cigar media or the so business as I, a whole? So I, I originally lived in Brooklyn, New York, and uh, I was friends with a guy by the name of Eric that used to walk past um, where I hung out. And he's like, oh, you should come to this cigar shop. And I had quit smoking cigarettes. I had like pneumonia. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to start smoking again. But he convinced me to show up at the cigar shop, and I got to the cigar shop, and I never left. Uh, eventually, I bought into it. I was partners with a retired detective. Um, and then from there, I went to work for a little bit as a subcontractor for America's Most Wanted. Uh, and while that was going on, I got invited to write for a magazine that was based in Germany. And uh, somebody would take my articles and translate them into German and print them. And right around at the same time, um, my private investigation gig started taking off and we sold the cigar shop. But I missed the cigar shop. I missed the camaraderie of, you know, people from different walks of life. And uh, I went to a cigar event in upstate New York where I ran into Sam Lacia, who was, you know, he was the person associated with Nub at the time. And we were smoking cigars and I was being a wise ass saying, yeah, I get notes of this, that, and the other thing. And he goes, oh, you should start a blog. I had no idea what a blog was. Uh, so I did some research and, you know, one of the original bloggers back then, they were Jerry Cruz, Brian Hewitt, and Walt White from Stogie Review. And I was like, you know what, I could do this. So I started a cigarsmoker.com and selling advertising on the space definitely helped offset the money I was spending on cigars. So it became a little bit of a hobby, and uh, eventually I was recruited by Miami Cigar uh, to do marketing for that company and uh, did some work for La Aurora as well. And uh, after six years in Miami, I decided I missed the Northeast. They decided that they were going to hire an outside company, um, that they were going to start streamlining their payroll. Uh, eventually, you know, they would get rid of their reps and become strictly in-house. But I took a job in Connecticut. The guy that hired me in Connecticut a month into it decided he couldn't afford to pay me. Uh, no hard feelings there because everything worked out and things happen in life for a reason. Uh, somebody told me to reach out to David Garofalo over two guys. He knew what was going on because, you know, I'm pretty vocal on social media and shared everything that was going on. And he said, come on up for an interview. Gave me an Atabay, gave me the exact cigar I'm smoking now. Hmm thought it was phenomenal there wasn't a band on it so i didn't know what i was smoking and he basically hired me on the spot and i've been with two guys cigars.com and the cigar authority since yeah well, i mean that's an amazing story so you've kind of been all around a, li a little bit you've you've kind of been in, in multiple different facets of the industry you know with mm -hmm. blogging media you've done you know marketing you've you've done the retail side you know with two guys um i know that you know you're one of the, the fun things about barry is the that comes up on the Cigar Authority. And if you're a Cigar Authority watcher, you know about this. And if you're not, you should be. Um, 
is when Barry has his gripe of the week with like his orders and stuff. Like I never forget there was one episode when you guys addressed the issue when people were um, they were writing into you about like shipping and UPS and you would and it was right on the cigar and you're like, listen, I I can't control UPS. Like I I send your orders out and you guys are all yelling at me like, where's my shit? And I'm like, I put it in the box and send it, and then it's out of my hands. So <laughs> yeah, we even had post last year, you know, in the in the middle of the pandemic, it's during Christmas. Christmas was a nightmare last year, uh, not 2021, but 2020. And we actually posted a video of the of the trucks lined up outside the Indianapolis distribution center, showing how bad things were. But people were blaming us, like, as if I was driving the orders to the house. And I sympathize <laughs> because, you know, what should have taken two or three days was taken two or three weeks at best. So it became frustrating because, you know, we were all dealing with the COVID lockdown. Everybody gets muscles behind the screen on a phone. They don't have to look at the person in the face. And it was, it was really beginning to weigh on me. I mean, I was called every name under the book. You try not to vent to the customer because the customer is always right. But the cigar authority, it was it was brought up a couple of times, and I unleashed. And you know, I have no filter. I say what's ever on my mind. And yeah, that's true. Thankfully, two guys cigars dot com has the greatest customers in the world, and they all eventually understood what was going on. It became a major news story about the delays, and thankfully, everything worked out in the end. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's hard to control shipping it's really out of any business's hands i mean the best you can do is the way you prepare you package it well you try to get them out as quickly as possible but then you've done your job i mean it 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 becomes the carrier's problem after that and especially during this pandemic um we have seen a lot of delays in all all kinds of shipping um especially parcel and you know package shipping like fedex ups even the mail service you know heaven forbid that's one of the worst ones um but you know, it, it it's hard, and of course, who get who gets the who gets the flack from it? The business owner, not the carrier. I mean, they do here and there when they like really mess up and they damage yeah, boxes that's, and that's stuff. But you call one eight hundred, ask USPS or whatever the UPS number is. You got to go through, you know, press one for English, plus two for Spanish, press three for French, and then you got to go through more automated. And you can't get a person. So I, I, I get the frustration. And thankfully, this year was a lot better. Yeah, absolutely. Um, any any bounce back from that is always great. Um, but, you know, aside from the retail stuff, so kind of back to kind of just you and, and, and what you've done, you know, like we like we talked about and like you've, you know, told us in your in your history there, you know, you've been around for a while. You know, you've seen a lot of things. You've You've seen things come and go. In the current state of the industry, we'll go with the industry first. In the current state of the industry as a whole, um, with all of your experience, h- how do you feel about it? Are you happy with the way the industry is? Are you, are you not happy? Uh, do you have any, any specific I'm, gripes? I'm happy with the way the industry is going. Um, but I think people have to be prepared for if you smoke a Robusto the next six months, you might have a hard time getting the Robusto and you might have to go to the Toro or vice versa. I think there's going to be some growing pains because of COVID still going on. And we're now in another um, influx of cases and there's been rumblings in the industry about, you know, it's going to be difficult to get product. And there's some people that think that, you know, we can't keep up 
what did we, what were we at? Like 300 million uh, cigars shipped into the U.S. or something uh, the third quarter. Roughly, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I can't see the industry sustaining that, especially when factories aren't at 100% capacity. So the, the next six months could be difficult. You know, one of the biggest things kind of related to that topic is, and you can speak on this as well, <clears throat> around this time every year, you know, a lot of the media outlets, um, specifically Half Wheel, because I feel like they, they kind of they go digging for this information a little bit more than the rest of us do, um, which is something that Coop and I will discuss on Spare Notes this weekend. Um, but the price increases. You know, you, you see if, if you follow Half Wheel, you follow media or whatever, you'll see, you know, when the new year turns, the articles – La Polina raises prices. Tatawahe raises prices. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, and you're seeing a lot of that right now, and it's all prices being raised. Um, one of the very few who hasn't raised prices was Gurkha, uh, with the exception of their uh, like their sampler packs and the, and the bags. But their regular core line, they're not increasing prices, which is kind of rare. Um, especially right now, you're seeing a lot of people raise prices. And I, I, I think Dave talked about this, and you guys talked about this on the Cigar Authority in one episode recently. This really should not be a shock. I mean, you're going to see prices go up right now, especially with everything that's going on. It's a, yeah, but it's see, across all markets. Yeah. It's not just cigars. It is. And you see it with cigar, you know, cigar uh, manufacturers. One year they'll raise prices, one year they won't. And it seems like every other year. It's usually 2 3%. This year we've seen some companies go as high as 10% increase. The fact is, it's hard to get people to work right now and you got you got to pony up more money and unfortunately that gets passed on to the consumer and the majority of people that i've spoken to are understanding of it um i have noticed some people are starting to stock up right now they're they're you know generally you don't see two three four box buys in january when it's so cold out you'll see that in the warmer months so i am seeing some people start to stock up now before the price increase right um but I was I was shocked. I don't ever remember seeing so many companies raise their prices ten percent. You know, and the average the average has always been two to four, three to five. But I've never seen, you know, five or six companies go as high as a ten percent increase. That's crazy. You know, and on a twelve dollar stick, all right, granted it's only a dollar twenty, but it's definitely a lot more than the forty cents it normally was. Right. You know, and that adds up, especially over time. Um, you know, very rarely do people actually lower their prices, you know, with the exception of Nick Perdomo, especially during the S-chip, which is a whole whole nother thing in itself. Um, you know, when the S-chip tax went into effect and everyone had to, you know, affect their pricing and a lot of prices went up. Nick Perdomo lowered it, as you, you know, you guys talk about, you know, on the Cigar Authority with yeah. the Perdomo ad. But that that's true. That That's actually a real point. You know, Nick Perdomo lowered his prices during the S-chip tax. Um which is an amazing feat to pull off. But normally, yeah, prices go up, and then they stay there, and then they just they keep going up over time. So, like you said, even if it's $0.40 cents or it's $1.20, it might not seem a lot now, but that's just going to keep building over time. And then your $12 stick you like now, five years from now, it's going to be a lot more than that. But then they price themselves out of the market. So at, at some point, there's a... Barry, what would you say in response to that? At some so point, you can't keep raising it. Yeah. So this week I have a, you know, we have the, the versus segment each week and we, we do the question of the week. And this week I pose to our listeners and there's still time to get your answer in over to CigarAuthority.com. But I ask people, 
how much will the price increase affect your buying habits? Will you still smoke the same amount of your favorite cigars? Will you smoke less of your favorite cigars? Will you still smoke the same amount but look for a less expensive alternative? Hmm. And I don't want to give away the answer to it, but I don't think it's going to be as damaging as we think it will be based upon the answers that I've received so far. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm excited to, to kind of hear that myself. It's always great to hear from from people and what and what they're thinking and what they're feeling. Um, See, look at it. A cigar that goes up a dollar twenty. If it's a one hour smoke, you're talking about two cents a minute. Yep. Phone sex back in the day was a dollar fifty a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so is two cents really that bad? This is more enjoyable. So. Uh. Tom Criswell Jr. from YouTube says to us, answer is same amount and bend over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's great. Um, Tom, thanks for watching with us tonight. I think that's my, that, that's <laughs> that's great. my answer too, Tom. <laughs> um, I'm not giving up cigars. In terms of the media specifically, uh, kind of the s same question. You know, How do you feel about you know, where cigar media was and, and kind of where it's gone to now? So, you know, I, I, I've been at it for 21 years uh, since I started in 2001. Got my cats fighting down here. But since I started <laughs> in 2001. But back then it was a, it was a smaller community, you know. It, it, it was Stogie Guys. It was Stogie Review. It was, it was me. Like, it was like strictly blogging, right? Yeah, it was yeah. strictly blogging. Vlogging didn't really exist. Jerry Cruz did a lot of video reviews, and he, I, I believe he was the pioneer of the video review. But it was such a smaller community that you know we all knew each other. We would all reach, reach out to each other. And there's some old school guys still left, like Ben Lee is still around. But now I feel like the media has has grown between you know the Instagram live person, Facebook live, YouTube live, podcast. It's so spread out now that I feel like the, the, the media isn't as close-knit as it used to be. But the content that's being put out now compared to back then, I think the manufacturers have finally seen the power of cigar media. Um, so they've gotten behind it more, so the information's become more readily available. But I miss that close community that we had back in the day. Mm -hmm. So it, it's changed over the years without a doubt do you think that there's too many fish in the pond or do you think that it's it's good for the growth of like kind of like with the content so glass half empty glass half full for me i think there's too many fish in the pond it's kind of impossible to keep track of everybody at this point mm -hmm. but having this many people only furthers the message of cigars you know with this many people blogging, you're going to see this many different opinions. You're going to see this many different cigars. You're going to see this many different press releases, this many different interviews. You know, so for the cigar industry, that's very good. Yeah, especially for the new cigar person, that's phenomenal. Especially for the old school guy, I, I get lost a little bit. So well, sorry to cut you off. No, no, no. Sorry. I uh, well, I was just going to say, especially when it comes to like uh, all the cigar legislative stuff too in in the organizations like cigar rights of america premium cigar association cigar association of america um cigar rights of the world which is which is a newer one that's you know starting to gain some steam um i think uh, my opinion is i would kind of kind of echo what you said too 
Um, you know, there is a lot out there. But at the same time, the more people there are, you know, the more that's getting out. And I, I think especially, that's why, you know, uh, we're not the only ones that do it, but I always try to really bring up on the shows or whatever we're doing um, or just online on the website at smokewoodtobacco.com when we do, you know, stories and press releases and stuff like that, PCA stuff and all the right stuff because I feel like it is something that most consumers don't really understand or fully grasp. Um, and that's and that's not their fault either. Um, that's They don't have the information because they're not getting it. But now I, I'm starting to feel, especially in the last couple of years where a lot more has emerged, you're starting to see that stuff get out more online where the consumers can really access that and see and read and understand like what kind of goes on behind the curtain that they may not realize that impacts the lifestyle that they enjoy. Uh, that was the... That was the issue with Cigar Rights of America back in the day when they first started. I remember running into Glenn Loop at Cigar Inn in New York City. And all the older people I smoke cigars with, oh, these taxes are never going to go up. Everybody, the sky is falling. There's not going to be a smoking ban. They don't know what they're talking about. So the average consumer didn't really have their, their finger on the pulse, so to speak. If, if we had the media presence that we have now when Cigar Rights of America started, there probably would be more people involved and it wouldn't have fallen strictly on the manufacturers to fund it. But, you know, like New York City, you can't smoke uh, in Times Square. You can't smoke within 10 feet of a building entrance. There are people in New York that think, oh, it's not going to go any further than that. But then you look at Washington State and you can't smoke in a cigar shop. You have to be outside the cigar shop to smoke. But the average consumer doesn't know that, you know, the, the, the online guy it makes up maybe 10% at best of the, the cigar marketplace. So you get 90% of the people that aren't really in the know. And 10, 15, 20 years ago, that 10% was probably 2%. So having this many media people has helped spread the word, maybe a, a, too little too late or too late too little, or whatever they're saying is, but it definitely hurt the cigar industry in, in the beginning that there wasn't enough people getting the message out. And maybe we wouldn't be in the situation we're in now with the FDA. There is a positive to the cigar media. Unfortunately, uh, a lot of the old school retailers didn't really see that. They saw us more of a hindrance. Um, and thankfully, you had people like David Garofalo who fought for cigar bloggers to get to the trade show. You had Jose Blanco, who was La Aurora at the time. Now he's with Toro Fuente that fought for the cigar blogger. So it's always been an uphill battle for us. But the manufacturers saw how important we were to get the message out. And I think a lot of retailers are seeing it now, too. There are some old school retailers that still don't comprehend what we're doing or see us as a hindrance and there are some people that that damage what we're trying to do there are the trick-or-treaters at the trade show absolutely but i think for the most part the cigar bloggers are an important voice well and i say bloggers but it's all cigar media and i'm showing my age by always saying bloggers <laughs> but we're important we're getting the word out yeah i mean that's the biggest thing um many of my news stories like tonight's news segment, which we'll get to in a second, involves PCA. Um, and I purposely try to pick those because, you know, everyone sees the press release where, you know, Pete Johnson ships, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, Arturo Fuente, you know, released this. And everyone sees that and they all get excited. Oh, new cigars are coming. And that's great. And I'm not taking away from that. I love them too. But I always try to make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting stuff that doesn't normally get highlighted with the 
PCA and legislative stuff, especially when it comes to the FDA, um, because whether or not anyone realizes it, FDA, we have a lot of enemies as an industry. But the FDA is really public enemy number one. I mean, they're the ones that create the regulations. Um, you know, it, we've had tax stuff. We've had substantial equivalence, which is a whole thing that you know we've we've covered in little bits over time, and um, that that was a huge thing that is kind of gone for now, but it it's not really dead. Um, but for right now, we're okay with it. Um, but, you know, and then that can change. You know, FDA, the, you know, the head of the FDA uh, is changing. Lots of mysteries around. Well, who's going to step into that role? So this is all very important stuff, um, and I try to keep everyone fresh on all that as it comes out um, you know, not to not to be doom and gloom but you know we're 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 the guy on death row and right now we have our stay of execution eventually something's going to happen and and you hope that you know rubio and everybody who's put together all this legislative language to protect the cigar industry hopefully that gives us what we need and and, and this goes away but there's always that concern that the other the other shoe's going to drop. Mm-hmm. You know, will mail order cigars eventually go away? Will the FDA completely control the cigar industry where nothing that came out after 2007 it'll exist? You know, right now that coin's flipping in the air. Which side it lands on remains to be seen. And I'm preparing for the worst. You know. Uh, I'd rather prepare for the worst and have the best happen than prepare for the best and not be able to deal with the worst. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. And I think that's a pretty universal message that most of us try to to really say and spread is prepare for the worst, but hope for the best. Um, and with that, I do want to hit our news segment tonight, um, which Nicole will lead us into. Yes. Yeah, so. Cigar Industry News brought to you by McAuliffe Cigars. Now, uh, McAuliffe also just kicked off their McAuliffe Madness bracket. So I'm going to throw one up on screen here. Boom. So you guys can see it. So this is the McAuliffe Madness bracket. Um, It is very similar to March Madness. It is a um, prediction challenge. So you predict... Uh, what the number one cigar is going to be. Um, it is free to fill out. You can go to McAuliffeCigars.com um, and go fill one out. You have to be an ambassador, which is their um, free social club. You get a cool coin, so please join that as well if you haven't already. Um, if you fill this out and your prediction is correct, there are prizes for the best one, two, and three um, brackets, and there's also a prize for the worst bracket. <laughs> I wonder what that prize is going to be. Oh, but yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of want to fill one out now just to see if I can get the worst bracket, but we'll see. Um, if you if you haven't done this, it is a great uh, thing to participate in, and it's so much fun. Uh, there is an actual live vote that goes on with the McAuliffe Ambassador Facebook group, so definitely check that out. Um, and uh, bring on the news. What's going on this week? Some more news out of the Premium Cigar Association. The Premium Cigar Association announced earlier this week a new mission statement as well as an expansion of its board of directors from 15 to 19. The four new seats will be made available to associate members, expanding the number of associate members on the board from one to five. Um, Associate members include members from the manufacturing community. According to PCA, these changes came as a result of PCA Board's strategic planning session that was held to assess the current state of the industry and the PCA itself, and how to leverage the association greater, the association's greater impact in the years ahead. Um, Barry, you know, since you're here, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this right to you, and I'm gonna 
uh, ask you your opinion on this on these changes in PCA. You know, going for 15, 19, I haven't really read up enough on it. It would be unfair of me to have an opinion. Um, you know, I'm sure Dave would have something to say with it. He was an original board member. Uh, so why I appreciate you asking my insight. I don't know enough about the topic, so I'm going to abstain. Well, we have a comment in the chat, so let me ask you your opinion on this one. Maybe maybe this will be a little bit easier for you. Tom Criswell Jr. says, more board members equals slower change. Would you agree with that or would you disagree? It depends on the board members. If you bring in some younger board members that have different insights and different views, they, they're going to bring something to the table that might be overlooked. So... Yeah, if you more people equal longer debate, but more people equals more ideas, and there's nothing wrong with more ideas. So I can tell you that two of the new board spots will be filled by Christian Aroa of CLE Cigar Company and Alan Rubin of Alec Bradley. Aroa and Rubin join Mike Condor from Crowned Heads, who is the current associate board member. The term for these three seats will be through July 2024. The remaining two open seats will be filled via the open elections process PCA initiated last year and will be for a three-year term through July 2025. I would like to see PCA put a media member on that board really? because you have, retailers, you have retailers represented, you have manufacturers represented, represented, you need a media member represented. And it doesn't have to be online media. You know, it could, it could be somebody from Cigar Journal. You know, it could be Reinhold Widmeyer. Uh, I'd even be open to Savona or somebody from CA. Or even, you know, you had David Garofalo in as a retailer, bring him in as an inaugural media member. It would be difficult for him to switch hats because he's going to look at it from both sides. But if, you, if the industry is made up of three assets of people, and I feel one of the assets aren't being represented, and we're paying dues, so why shouldn't we have a voice? Absolutely, yeah. that's true. I mean, everyone pays the dues to be part of the association. Even media members. Even media, yeah. you know, we, we, we pay our dues as well, um, you know, which also the dues help fund the PCA, so it's not completely, you know, horrible. It, it does go somewhere, but at the same time, you know, if you're paying to play, you know, your voice should be heard too. I think that's a really good point, and I think that's something that uh, we'll, Coop and I will bring up on the uh, on the Spare Note Show on Saturday night. Um I mean, look, you have school boards bringing students onto their onto the school boards. And, you know, granted, it's a non-voting member, uh, but at least they're getting their voice heard. And even if even if it started out with the media in a non-voting voice, I, I feel like somebody should be representing what we do. Yeah, I mean, we have a comment from the chat from Ross S. Blacker who says, what about the consumer? Which is, I mean, that's a good point, too. I mean, you, you have it's, someone who's buying the cigars have their voice heard, too. Yeah, see, it's not really a consumer group. You know, it's a trade association, and you could say media is a trade. Um, people are advertising with us, we're writing about them. Um, they tried to do the, the consumer day at the trade show. That, that went nowhere fast. And, you know, I, I'm lucky enough where I could go there as a member in the media. If I wasn't in the media, would I love to go as a consumer? Absolutely. Having been there as a retailer, a member of the media, and a manufacturer, opening up to Consumer Day would be a logistical nightmare. Right. Um, even if you did it on the last half day of the show, 
Well, the, the retailers are spent, you know. You, you're talking about 10 hours on the trade show floor because you're there before it opens and you're there after it closes and then you're taking out your customers for dinner and then you're hanging out at the circle bar closing more deals. You're talking about 18-hour days. You're lucky if you're getting six hours of sleep at night. And, you know, and, and some of the bloggers like Coop could attest that he's doing all of that and then he's going back to his hotel room and he's writing about it and he's getting an hour or two of sleep. So to deal with uh, the consumer, who's the most important thing to the whole cigar industry, because without the consumer, they're not, there's no industry, there's nobody supporting the industry. It's just, you know, it's not set up for the consumer. There are consumer events. So, you know, I, 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 I don't think the consumers would have a place on the board. And, and it's not a knock on the consumer, so please don't think I'm picking on you or putting you down. It would just be a logistical nightmare. Yeah, we have another comment in the chat from Tom Criswell who says, maybe this should be a dedicated media day, then leave the biz guys alone to do biz. So what I will say to that myself, uh, and, and all three of us have been to the trade yeah. show, um, interesting and valid point. However, not enough time. Not enough time. From the experience, I mean, you, even, even if there was four days of – just just for the media, I mean, on a normal show year, I mean, you, you still probably we, won't get to every booth. We did, I mean, last year we went to the show. It was our first show. Um, it was reduced, so the footprint of the amount of people who actually had booths was much less than years prior. And Which I would put in as an anomaly year for now. Yeah. Um, and... We, I mean, we covered maybe like 60 booths over four, what, four or five days? Four days. So well, four th three and a half, really. It, yeah. So it, it's really tricky. It's, it's hard just, you know, flagging down the right people to get interviews. We set up appointments for the most part. Um, you know, many organized people who are there. Um, we do appointments so that we can just go in, get our stuff done at our time, and then leave them, leave them be. Um, and that works best, but then some people don't make them, and you have to chase them down. And, and it, it, there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, honest. I mean, there was that story this year that came out, and, you know, I don't remember who it was, and that's a good thing, so I don't mention them. But, you know, there was a manufacturer working on a pretty significant deal with a customer and a media personality or an influencer, I believe it was, mm -hmm. came in, cut them right off prevented the sale from happening the person left the booth yep. and they left the trade show without making their order that cost that manufacturer tens of thousands of dollars at least yep as much as i don't want to say they need to do a better job vetting members of the media they need to do a better job vetting members of the media well and just to touch upon that the the bigger issue was that that specific influencer or person didn't pay their media dues and they were in on a badge and they shouldn't have been yeah. given that badge from a different manufacturer. <laughs> so that's a whole nother issue um, is that they, they didn't pay their dues and they shouldn't have been there. They didn't work for that manufacturer. So how did they get the badge? And that's a whole nother yes. <laughs> issue in itself. So And that's been going on since, yeah. since you the know, dawn of time. <laughs> I, I was a manufacturer and I'm sure it happened when it was RTDA. I remember customers going with shop owners and it, it affects the flow of business yeah um yeah and you know like you said in the beginning you know it is it it's a trade organization it's a trade show it's a business trade show um you know and th look there's a lot of events 
all around the country all year where you know, people can go. open to consumers that's um, coming up? I mean... But, I mean, you know, without getting into, into too much of that, that's not what this is about. It's just kind of... I don't even... I, I, to be honest with you, I got so fucking sidetracked <laughs> with <laughs> this whole we thing the, the um, natural flow of conversation yeah you know it, it happens so but it, you know not to get into all that but i mean it's some interesting points were made and and that's that but um you know another thing i wanted to ask you about barry um kind of getting away from the news i know you weren't on the cigar authority this past weekend but jonathan and dave uh and ed obviously ed was there as well um they did a, a kind of a a review of a lot of the top 25 cigar lists that are currently going around the industry. Um, so I know you weren't really part of that conversation. So I was interested to get your opinion on kind of that whole situation and, and kind of how you feel about, I'm sure you've seen a lot of the different lists um, today. For those who don't know, Cigar Aficionado, who's arguably in the industry, the biggest list for, if you, you ask most people, that's who they'll say. Um, even though I think the Cigar Authority did it first, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, at least that's what Dave claims, too. 1992. Yes. Um, but <clears throat> they announced that the number one cigar this year was the Padron 1964 Torpedo Natural. It's the Cigar Aficionado Cigar of the Year. It's a safe bet, and, you know, I can't remember a time when Padron wasn't in the top ten in Cigar Aficionado, and... Brett Fry from, uh, he's a great brick and mortar retailer down in Virginia, Tobaccoology. He reached out to me this week and he said, All right, last year you told me what cigar year is going to be. Tell me what cigar of the year this year is going to be. And last year the list was leaked. So we all knew two weeks prior to the release what was going to be where on the list. Um, but I'm going to break my arm and pat myself on the back. I had Monte Cristo at number two and the Padron Torpedo at number one. It's a safe bet. The way the way cigar aficionado works is, you know, you got you got to kiss the ring, and is Rafael Nadal is making great cigars right now with Altadas, and he, you know, he has his hands involved in the in the footprint and the Monte Cristo 1935, great stick. It was a contender for cigar of the year with us at the Cigar Authority, but he knows how to work the system. He's always in New York. He's always getting together with the guys. You know, out of sight, out of mind. He's staying in their eyes. So you knew he was going to be somewhere in the top ten. Once the top five hit, you knew he was going to be in the top three. Um, so that didn't surprise me. And, you know, there's a Padron Facebook group, or at least there was, and it was Padron 3123312. And that's all the rankings at the time that the, the group was created. They've always been a fan Cigar Aficionado has always been a fan of Padron, and rightfully so. They make some of the best sticks on the market, the consistent year in and year out. But Craig Vanderslice made a, a great point on Facebook. They, can t they cater to 90% of the cigar industry. 90% of the cigar industry doesn't know from your Cigar of the Year on the Crown 10. They've never heard of it. They don't know from our Cigar of the Year, All Saints Cigars. They've never heard it. So they cater to their masses, and maybe they should be help expanding the footprint of the cigar industry instead of staying with the old favorites and the, the old-school cigar guys. But knowing what that magazine's about, it was a given that Padron was going to be in the top 10. And as the list dwindled further and further, you knew they were going to be one or two. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I would agree with the Padron thing, too. I mean, 
they make some of the best stuff. They're consistent. Um, really great quality. A lot of people will joke with you that a lot of the Padron sticks visually, you know, they look a little rough and uncut. But when you cut them and you smoke them and you taste them, there's very few cigars that really can hold a candle to those. I mean, they they are so precise. They're on point. Great quality tobacco. The blends, the complexity, everything about them is just phenomenal. So it's not really a shock to see them at the top of that list. Um, having said that, in terms of some of the other lists that you have seen, were you surprised by some of the placements of certain cigars on other lists that you have seen? Yeah, I, I was. There, there was a cigar that was uh, Cigar of the Year on a major blog um, that I was surprised to see at number one. I don't, even, I don't know if it would have been in my top 20. It was a good cigar. Uh, I'm not going to name names. I haven't been drinking long enough. And then, you know, and then you have guys that write a review or they name a cigar of the year that nobody smoked. And, you know, are, are you basing your review off of a trade show sample or are you trying to be like, you know, I want to be the coolest kid on the block. I'm going to name a cigar that nobody else is going to name. And, and you know what? It worked for him because we, they talked about it on the Cigar Authority. We're talking about it on Smoking Tobacco. So it got people talking about him. But everybody and their mothers putting out a top 10 list. And, and Coop had this great point. Once again, you know, in the same thread as Craig Vanderslykes saying that. Uh, lost my train of thought. <laughs> you know, say, he's saying that you know, you know, what favoritism. You know, yep. was Sokka nice to this guy? That you know, I'm going to put Sokka number one. Yeah, it's human nature. Everybody wants to feel important, and Sokka does a great job with the media, stroking their ego and, and, and getting the love, and a lot of the love he deserves. But how can you name a cigar of the year a cigar that nobody smoked? I think there needs to be more transparency with people's criteria for one. Um, and at the end of the day, everyone's doing their own thing so they can create whatever criteria. But, you know, as long as it's clearly labeled, I feel like, you know, that's a that's a better way to go about it. I mean, us specifically, you know, it, it the cigar had to have come out in the last year. Well, the biggest part of it, too, is most of those lists are built based on the reviews of the cigars that those publications have done throughout the year. And it's usually done by the highest-ranked cigars in terms of review, such as Cigar Coupe. Um, and then, of course, there's other factors, too, like how long has it been on the market? When did it go on the market? I know Coupe's rule is it has to be on, the, it has to be on store shelves the day before um, that year's Premium Cigar Association trade show starts. Um, it can't like come out at the end of the year and then and win Cigar of the Year. It needs to also. He doesn't just take in the cigar itself. He takes in its its sales performance and kind of all of that consistency. It's consistency. There's a lot of factors that are built into it too. It's not just the reviews, but I would say that's the core component. But um, see, the good the good sites they they follow our criteria. The person that named Paladin de Saka the Cigar of the Year, I don't think. They had a criteria. It's like, it's almost like, what can I name number one that's going to get me the most attention versus what cigar deserves cigar of the year? It almost seems like the, the, the list was put together haphazardly without paying attention to anything on the market. Because if you did base it upon a sample that was sent to you in December 
or a sample that was handed to you in July, that's not a fair representation to judge cigar of the year off. You know, the Paladin of the Saka, I, I smoked three of them. You know, it's a limited edition or limited production. Who knows when we're going to see them again? Will it be as good as it was with that one sample that you had and then smoke it again June, July, or August? So, you know, it's like saying, oh, I'm going to smoke one cigar out of a box and I'm going to give that cigar 100, which I have not been shy to do on the Cigar Authority. I, I've given Atabay 100. I've given Byron 100. On a CigarSmoker.com, I gave Padron Principe Natural 100. These are cigars I would be comfortable smoking nothing but them the rest of my life. How can you say a cigar is Cigar of the Year when it hasn't been out long enough to have more than one sample. And, and let's say they were lucky enough that Saka sent them five. You're talking about five controlled samples. Not purchasing it at brick and mortar, not purchasing it online. It, to me, it just doesn't seem valid to give a cigar that you haven't been able to retest at a later date Cigar of the Year. So, <clears throat> we have a couple of comments in the chat. Um, from Mark Van Sled Wright. Mark, thanks for being here with us again. Does he think, I, I assume this question is for you, does he think that more manufacturers will follow Southern Draw cigars directly involving the consumer in what new cigars are produced? No. Um, and, and, the, and the reason why I'm going to say that, and the, and the owner of Southern Draw, he's a, he's a gentleman, he's a great guy. Uh, the couple of times I've met him, I've, I've enjoyed being in his company, but he doesn't have the lineage that a lot of these cigar companies have. And a, a guy like George Padron, who grew up on the cigar industry, isn't going to ask a consumer, what should I blend next? Um, a guy like Fuente, Atara Fuente, isn't going to do that himself. Um, you can go on and on and on. You can go down the list. You think, you know, Don Pepin Garcia, you know, he'll lean on his son because his son grew up in the industry. Do you think he's going to ask a consumer what should be next? No. And it's a cool, the outsourcing of cigars is a cool idea. But, you know, I'm jaded. I told you this numerous times. I've become jaded in the industry. I look at that and I go, all right, we're going to put out a press release and say it was outsourced. But how much did he have on the final decision? It makes it look like everybody's involved, but were they truly involved? And that's, you know, that's me looking at the glass half empty. Right. Um, our next question from Tom. Well, we, Tom has uh, two two comments here. Uh, the first one, I'm smoking a Rocky Patel 60. Great cigar. Uh, was thinking it was his turn after all his ring kissing is his first comment. Um, I'll touch on that. You know, I thought the Rocky Patel 60 was very, very good. It was a good cigar. It was it very, was, very it ranked good. pretty high on our top ten. It was our number yeah. three cigar of the year. Um, I, to be honest with you, I, ex I kind of expected to see it a lot higher on more lists, and I expected to see more number ones with that cigar. Uh, just that was my early feeling, and that was kind of the feeling with a couple other guys that I spoke with uh, from the media side. Um, I, I think it's great. You know, uh, that's a great cigar. Uh, the All Saints St. Francis, which was your cigar of the year, yep. uh, was made at that factory as well. So, I mean, the factory as a whole has put out some good cigars in this past year. 
yeah, the past few years they put out some great cigars. Uh, I, you know, I was shocked to see two Fuente cigars in the top ten. Uh, I would be surprised if we see two Rocky cigars in the top eleven. I, I'm kind of expecting the Rocky Patel sixty to come in at eleven. You know, it, it scored well on Cigar Insider, so I think it has to be considered. Uh, I'll be curious if they're willing to name Fuente two in the top ten. Will they have the courage to name two of another manufacturer in the top 25, let alone the top 11? I still have, I, I still, I firmly believe it's going to be number 11 when that, when 11 through 25 comes out tomorrow. I, uh, so I was on the Cigar Authority with you guys about a month and a half now ago. I think it was no, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was like, it was like November. Yeah. Um, right before Cigar of the Year season really started, it was kind of like the eve. And we had talked about that on the show of like, okay, um, you know, what are my predictions? And, and you guys all kind of chimed in too. And that was one of the ones we talked about was Rocky Patel 60. Um, and, uh, you know, I just – do you think, in your opinion, do you think Rocky's due? Uh, he's 100% due. I mean, he had a number two cigar of the year, the year that they named the Cuban. I think it was number one. So he was like the, the number one cigar in the free world. I believe it was the uh, sun-grown Maduro, maybe, that it was that was number two. I think it was, yeah. So, yeah, so he's due. And, he, he you know, everything he's done in the industry, you know, you know, I don't want to say he deserves it based on that, but he's a guy that gives his heart and soul into the cigar industry. You know, he had that great interview on Tucker Carlson, love him or hate him for his politics. He got out in that two minutes or less every bullet point that needed to be discussed on the cigar industry. For somebody so passionate never to have a number one that I can remember of aficionado, and I'm sure people in the chat room will correct me if I'm wrong, he is way past due. Yeah, I would agree. I saw that interview multiple times, and I thought that was great. Uh, it was nice to see on such a major platform. You know, like you said, you know, politics aside, on that platform – kind of have our industry and someone like Rocky especially Rocky's a lawyer too for anyone who didn't know that I mean his roots are in law so I mean he he understands not in just like the manufacturer but he also understands you know the the legislative stuff that we deal with too he's been a huge a huge help to these people too um, you know with his his legal background uh, being able to kind of understand a lot of the other stuff that maybe not everyone understands so he is definitely a huge part of this industry and I would agree I think he is due um, and I think he does deserve that recognition. And especially in the last few years, the, some of the stuff he's been putting out, you know, it's been it's been even better than some of his existing stuff. He's been really putting out some winners. And, um, and you know, we spoke about like a cigar aficionado caters to the 90% of the cigar smokers where online media caters to the 10% cigar smoker. And, you know, it, it surprises me. You know, we named All Saints our cigar of the year. And it was, you know, we had this monthly care package with the Cigar Authority, the Cigar Authority care package, where we send out four or five cigars. And it's cigars we're going to smoke on the show. And when we sent that cigar out, our chat room lit up that it was going to be cigar of the year. And we put out this contenders pack where our listeners and the shoppers of the store, they get a vote. And... They got both the store shoppers and the online community. They got it right. That was the the cigar that got the most votes. But if you look at the online media, Rocky's been getting bashed almost as much as Gurkha, and I don't understand either one. 
There's an ask for every seat. Just because you don't like a particular cigar, there's no reason to bash a particular cigar. So I don't get what all the, the, the Rocky hate online is, and it, and it exists. And it, it's kind of disconcerting because he's a guy that every cigar smoker should get behind just because of what he's doing for us on a daily basis. The um, you brought up something interesting, and I'm going to circle back to that because I want I want to hit this this uh, question first. Um, actually, Nicole, I'll let you read it. Um, so from Tom, wondering if the Saka Stillwell Star made a Cigar of the Year list. Is it a true cigar? <laughs> yeah, this is a cigar that definitely has been talked a lot about. It's very unique. Um, Barry, I- I'm interested to get your thoughts on the uh, Stillwell Star. I think the same person that named Paladin the Soccer also had Stillwell Star on his list. If it wasn't him, I saw it on another list. Yes, it's a cigar. Uh, you know, just because it has pipe tobacco in it. You know, if you're a purist, I get your argument, but it's a cigar. It's a polarizing cigar. Either you're going to love it or you're going to hate it. Um, I smoked all four. Some of them are, some of the four are really good. One of the four I will probably never pick up again, but it's an interesting innovation for the cigar industry because, you know, there's only so many ways you could take Criollo, Corojo, uh, San Vicente, the the list goes on and on, but eventually you got to break out of that comfort zone and create something new like, you know, Drew Estate did back in the day with Acid. Now, I'm not saying Stillwell Star and Acid are in the same category, but the innovation was a really cool idea. And some people will love it. Some people will hate it. Three out of the four, I'll smoke again. So, yeah, it's good for the industry. It, it's worthy of consideration for some people on their list. Um, I don't think it's available enough to, to really warrant a conversation that it should be on somebody's list. But if it shows up on a list, I will understand it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what I wanted to circle back to was you, you made a we made a comment about how like Rocky's getting like kind of roped in with Gurkha, with kind of like the the bashing. I'll leave I'll leave Rocky out of this for a second. I'll go with Gurkha first. In your opinion, why do you think why do you think Gurkha does get such a universally bad rep? Like it's almost like the band Nickelback, right? You know how like everyone's always hating on Nickelback. I like Nickelback. Yeah. I like Nickelback. <laughs> Yeah. They're all right. I mean, they're not like the Rolling Stones, but I mean, they're not like horrible. Um, my feeling with Gurkha is they have a lot of different cigars. So, I mean, I've smoked a lot of them. A lot of them, I personally, I just didn't like. I didn't think that they were just shit. I, I just didn't like them. A lot of them were like too tight for me, or I just feel like they weren't as complex as I was hoping. And then I've had a few that were that were pretty good. I liked them. But why do you think they, more than others, just get such a bad rap? You know, some of the groups out there, they have 30,000, 40,000 people. You get one person chiming in, and then another person, whether they're serious or joking, chiming in, and it just becomes a running gag at the point. And, you know, maybe they fell into a degree. And there was a period of time where some of the cigars that they, they made might not have been stellar. But it, for me, it's no reason to bash. You know, I was on Light 'em Up Lounge a couple of weeks ago, and I, I had said on the show, if I come across a cigar I don't like, I won't review it. Just because I don't like it doesn't mean that it deserves somebody else's opinion. 
if you don't like a cigar, just move on. Go to the next post. I, I, I don't get this insistent, this consistent need to bash brands, to bash stores, to bash people. It, it just makes no sense to me because all it does is hurt the industry in the long run. And on that note, someone actually made, I saw it this week, like come up in my news feed. Someone's profiting off a friends don't let friends smoke Gurkha t-shirt. I don't know yeah. if you guys came across that, but like I saw it. That was somewhere for sale. Someone is. Yeah, I, I almost feel like it's a joke that got <laughs> yeah. got legs and just got carried away. Yeah, I agree. I, I look. I mean, I know a lot of people may have differing opinions, and and respectfully, I would say, you know, like I said before, I, I've smoked a bunch of them. Some of them I didn't like. Some of them I I thought were pretty good. Uh, and again, it depends on who you ask. I mean, they make a lot of cigars. Their their markets, you know, different than a lot of other people, and that's fine. You know, everyone has their thing. Everyone has their business model, and everyone has to kind of conduct their business what works best for them. And you know, Barry, I know you can speak to that too. You know, being, you know, on your side of the table, you you kind of know how things work on a retail side and what certain you know you guys you know with two guys smoke shop and two guys cigars dot com. You know, you guys run your business a certain way, you know, with, with Dave and Ed and, and Jonathan and everyone over there. Um, you guys do what works for you, and maybe other shops do it differently. It's the same with the manufacturers. You know, they, they do what works for them. And um, one of the things I wanted to ask you, too, is so you mentioned Rocky. Why, would you, why do you think that Rocky would be roped in with Gurkha? You know, if, if you want to find a common denominator between the two, they, they both have a lot of different blends on the market. And maybe that's playing into it versus, you know, a, a guy like Skip who has, you know, Cro-Magnon, Aquitaine, Baca, Neanderthal, and Temperance. Yeah. So evidently he's, you know, picking and choosing his blends. And maybe maybe it's because they both have a lot of blends on the market. I mean, look at Rocky. Um, he's done a lot of private label stuff. He's done the vintage 90 to 92, uh, the Connecticut, the the different edges, uh, different sun growns. So the list goes on and on and on. I, I guess when your portfolio is that big, you, maybe you're opening yourself up to it, and maybe that's the reason they're getting it. Um, I can honestly say I've never smoked a Rocky I didn't like that's available at brick and mortars. I, I just I don't get I don't get the bashing of any cigar company. It makes no sense. Right. No, I agree with that. Um, Tom Tom asked one last question before we had to head out, um, which I, I, I kind of know the answer to this because we've talked about it before. Um, where does he see himself in three to five years? Sarasota, Florida. That's right. <laughs> uh, but probably more than three to five years. I'm 52, uh, so we're probably talking eight to ten years. Okay. It's never um, it's never but, too late. <laughs> no, no, I have a I have a friend in, in Florida and I've shared this with Dave, so I don't mind saying this. I have a friend in Florida who's a trust fund baby and he's been wanting to open up a cigar shop store forever. And uh, I'm hoping by the time I'm sixty to sixty two I'll be living in Florida and a shop owner. And uh but right now I'm happy where I am. You know, I'm in New Hampshire, I got a great wife, I got a great stepdaughter who you know, she calls me dad. I call her my daughter. Um, life is good right now, so I don't want to look 10 years into the future. Um, but ideally, at some point before I move on to the to the next life, I want to wind up back in Florida. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it sounds like a great plan, especially Florida. They get they get nicer weather 
and, c- mm-hmm. and and cigar wise, that's one of the best states you can have a cigar yeah. shop in. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. When I go to the show on Saturday, the Cigar Authority, if you could believe the weather forecast, I'm gonna walk out of my house. It's gonna be minus two Fahrenheit. So that's right. Yeah, that that wears on you quickly. It it does. Mm-hmm. We can we can we can speak to that ourselves. Um, yeah, it it is definitely cold this time of year. Uh, why don't we do our, our top three really quick? We'll, we'll take a little break, do something a little fun, kind of let Barry reset for a little, a, a quick second, although this is for you. Yeah. Um, our top three is brought to you once again by Room 101 Cigars. Uh, check out the new Johnny Tobacconaut. Let us take you on a journey through time and space to the world Johnny Tobacconaut. Exclusively, Head Luxury Cigar Club. Um, you're a bourbon guy, just like us. Yep. What are your top three? It can be it can be daily or it can just be like all time. But the ones that you love the most. What are your top three bourbons? All right, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna break it down like this. I'm gonna do my top three every. I'm gonna do my top everyday bourbon, my top chasing bourbon, and the bourbon I usually order when I go out. Oh, okay. This all is gonna right. be interesting. So my everyday bourbon at home is Elijah Craig Small Batch, and twenty five dollars to thirty dollars here in New Hampshire. Uh, I think dollar for dollar, that's the best value. Um, my favorite chasing bourbon uh, is probably E.H. Taylor, the Colonel. Um, Which one? The small batch. The small batch. Yeah, and you know I have a hard time finding it. Here in New Hampshire, it's a state-controlled liquor store, shop, and the only way you're going to find it in New Hampshire is know that they get their deliveries on Thursday and call every shop that you're willing to drive through, drive to, because it won't go on the shelf, and the only way you're going to get it is if the person on the phone tells you they have it. You can put your name on the bottle, and you have 24 hours to pick it up. Um, I've only managed to get two bottles of that this year, um, so that's my favorite chasing bourbon. And when I go out, um, he's out of it right now, but I heard he just picked another barrel. And I really like the 724 Woodford Reserve barrel pick. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll one. be curious to see what the new barrel picks up. Uh, the new barrel they picked out is like, but that was my favorite went out bourbon. So I will agree with you on that one, and I'll add another one that I, I think you've had and that you like. Um, his pick of the Weller 107. Phenomenal, but I, I've never been able to buy a bottle here in New Hampshire. I have never been lucky enough to get one, so it didn't make my list because of that. You've, you've never been able to secure a bottle of 107? I in New Hampshire, Hampshire, no. Hmm, interesting. Um, that, I, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like the 107. It's a good bourbon. Um, in terms of the Wellers, it, it's not my number one, but it, it's very good. Um, but when I had the 724-107, the barrel pick, I was like, whoa, this is it, it, way it's different. It's good, but it, it's pricey. Yeah. No, it is. But it's good. Very, very delicious. Um, kind of getting back to the show, though. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be wrapping up soon. We're almost out of time. But um, oh, my mind just went blank. I had, like, the last... <laughs> Like portion. You were ready to go. I know. Yeah. Barry, well, Barry, my world. Barry <laughs> just did it, and like you know, and it kind of I don't know, it rubbed off onto me, I guess. Um, no, I mean sure, we, we, we the fat kid. <laughs> 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 no, I mean we we've had a lot of fun. We we've we've covered a lot of things. 
a lot of interesting points too. Um, I know that I know that United um, is um, is having a great year too, and they're and I know that they're running Oliver at United is running a, a social media contest for um, kind of like what people think the next firecracker is going to be. And I know you know the answer, so I, and I know you're not going to reveal. So I'm not asking you to reveal the answer. I'm not trying to spoil their fun, but yeah. I will say um, my 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 guess to that. Um, I think it's going to be rocky. Um, you know, I've been a local to the two guys smoke shops. I've been I've been buying there for years. I've seen a lot of the firecrackers come out over the last like five or six years. Um, but it pure, but purely just based on kind of like what we talked about tonight with just the way he's been performing, and I don't think that they've ever done one with Rocky Patel, but I could see Rocky Patel doing one, and I think that it would be an interesting time uh, for him to do that. Whether or not it's true, I don't know, but that's that's my guess. So I wanted to. I, I, I can tell you, it's not going to be Rocky Patel. Oh, so we really? Scratch him off the list, but a missile firecracker that would be pretty cool. The edge missile, <laughs> uh, a torpedo with a fuse tip. Visually, I think that would be different and pretty cool. Um, but no, it's not Rocky Patel. Um, but I'm really looking forward to this year's firecracker. And if you want to know who it is, you got to tune into the Cigar Authority this weekend, Saturday at 12 noon. Available on YouTube, Facebook, and thecigarauthority.com. And we will reveal who is making the 2022 firecracker limited edition see what i did there nice little soft toss for the promo always yeah, looking out for our buddies the, at cigar authority. The segue. that's right that's that they always <laughs> helping out the cigar authority you know those you guys have been great to me love you guys to death love the show um it's always a great time whether i'm watching or the few times i've gotten to come on with you guys it's, it's always a blast so um always looking out for you guys uh what are you most excited about um cigar wise for this year you know, uh, last year at this time, there were a few press releases of stuff that was going to be released at TPE. And, you know, we know Supreme Leaf is going to make its debut for 2022 at TPE. So that's obviously on my list. Uh, Rainier Lorenzo posted something today that he was blending the cigar El Titan de Bronze down in Miami in Caliocho uh, as a fan of Sandy and that shop. Um, producing some really good boutique cigars. They had, they did the Goldie from La Polina back in the day, you know, with the fantail cap. Hmm. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what spin he could put on with the tobacco that they use at that at that uh, boutique manufacturer. So that's on my list. Other than that, you know, manufacturers haven't really put too much out there. Um, the St. Francis, Colorado, I'm looking forward to trying. Um, but I would say the two things I'm looking forward to trying in 2022 that are not out yet would be the new Supreme Leaf size and the HVC cigar being made at Titan de Bronze if it comes out. Yeah, I uh, I would agree with that, with that too. I, I think you made a good point. I, I wanted to ask because, you know, you'd, it's always interesting, especially this time of the year with the with the limited information that's available. But yeah, I mean, I I agree, and especially with Agonorsa, you know, they've that Supreme Leaf line has has been great the last few years. You know, we've really enjoyed it, um, and they've done pretty well with that. So I'm excited to to see the next iteration of that. And HVC too, which also is is from that factory, 
um, even though this will be a little different. But you know, they just as a whole, as a company, they've they've done really well themselves. I mean, they did a black fire, they did a Black Friday firecracker with with you guys. Um, their hot cake was the Grand Canyon size. That was a number ten on our list. The hot cake was one of my favorites that they've they've ever made. I'm, I'm not a fan of the sixty, but the hot cake Grand Canyon, oh. oh it, it, the best, the best in that in that line. As much as I do not like smoking a big ring gauge cigar, best cigar in that line is the sixty. Put away any misconceptions if you have it. Give it a try. Um, it, it, I'm gonna get myself in trouble now. I've gone like an hour and whatever without <laughs> getting myself in trouble. So if you look at if you look at Don Pepin Garcia, he used to make his cigars with Aganorsa leaf. Um, that's who he got his, his, uh, start with, you know, if the Fernandez family was making his cigars and then out of that came Pete Johnson. Well, now you got Aganorsa taking a new kid into the fold and helping build him up in Rainier Lorenzo. Lanier Lorenzo is the next Tatuai. Hmm. That's a, that's a very, that's a very bold statement. That's very interesting. The next Tatuai. I mean, I could see, I mean, he's, he's off to a great start. I think he surpassed them already. You think that I think he, Lorenzo's past? I think he's putting out better stuff. Yes. Interesting. It, that's an interesting comment to make. I told you I'd get myself in trouble. This is the get in trouble moment. We should have had a contest where it was like, how long <laughs> does the show go before Barry gets in trouble? Could have been a drinking game. Could have been a contest. Uh, I'm sure. I, I'm. I'm sure in the comments and, and people who listen to it and watch it later will. We'll chime in too, uh, and I'll be sure to share that with you too, so you know. Um, Please do. <laughs> I will. It'll be fun. Um, you know. So yeah, no. I, there's a lot of exciting stuff that's yet to be announced um, to look forward to for the year. Uh, last year was it was a fun year, uh, interesting year. Very. I will. 2021, officially, it was an interesting year. Won't say I'm good or bad. A, I'm gonna call it a disappointing cigar year. You, you yeah. know, there, there was maybe four or five great cigars that stood out, and, and and for you it was Undercrown Ten that stood out. For me, and the rest of the cigar authority it was All Saints, Saint Francis that stood out. But there weren't a lot of new releases last year that really stood out, and I'm hoping 2022 changes that. But if the factories are struggling in the first six months, like we all expect them to be. I don't. I think 2022 could have even less new releases than 2021 had. Yeah, and that would be frustrating because the majority. Of, and I'm going to blame our media component for this because we're always posting what's shipping, what's coming. So everybody's learned to ask what's new, and I think 2022 we should all make the effort to ask what's smoking good. Because I don't think there's going to be enough new releases to keep people happy. Yeah, I, I mean, I could see that. I mean, 2020, well, really, 2020 it, the, was really the beginning of the shakeup of the industry. 2021, I think, was the the fallout from 2020. And I think 2022 will be the fallout of 2021. And it'll just be this, this few year. I think it'll carry on for a few years. It'll be like this domino effect that completely has just shaken the bottle up. Um, you know, like that that bottle of soda, you shake it up, you open it, it bursts out. That's really the industry right now. There's so many exterior factors, internal factors uh, that have affected a lot of things. And like in 
it basically boils down to that. You know, it's new stuff coming out and then it's the quality of what's coming out. You know, some factories, you know, they want to they want to rush things out. They want to get things out. You know, you go after the Fuente family motto, which is we'll never rush the hands of time. And they've kind of stuck to that. And just I don't care how the demand is. We want our product to be good. Um, Saka's demonstrated that as well. Um, it's some of the things that he's talked about on social media. He, you know, he's really in tune with, with people online. Um, it'll be interesting to see kind of who does what and who kind of pivots from the challenges that they have faced the last couple of years. Because um, there, there will be a bleeding effect from that whether it's good or bad it'll depend on the the manufacturer but um it's definitely to come and i think this year will be and also that no, also that proverbial coin that proverbial coin that's flipping if it ever stops flipping and it lands on the wrong side that could be the end of new releases so it's time to start paying attention to what's smoking good and if you go to a brick good brick and mortar retailer They'll know what in their humidor is smoking good. If you shop at a good online store and, and you don't click the button and you actually call them and speak to them, they could tell you what's smoking good. And there's some stuff that's been on the market for four, five, ten years, if not longer, that is smoking phenomenal that people have forgotten about because they're asking what's new. Absolutely. I think the new, the new question is, you know, what haven't you tried? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's too. Yeah, that's a good you one know. too. Um, the uh, ooh, the last question we have for you actually comes from Bruce Stark. Is the Cigar Authority going to do another blind tasting program like they did before? So Andix, that's a, he's on our chat room is Andix. So that's actually a good question. The way the FDA is currently written to remove a cigar band and put a new cigar band be it A, B, C, or D, one, two, three, or four, that's now considered manufacturing. So due to the FDA regulations, it's difficult to do a blind tasting like that. Um, so I don't think that's something that will happen, but you know, we'll consult and we'll find out if there is a way to do it. Bruce Stark isn't the only person who has asked it. If there's a way around it, we'll find it. Uh, but right now, as of... January 14th, I think it is, or 13th, the 13th, uh, there are no, there is nothing set in stone or in the pipeline for the immediate future three or four months out. Okay. Thank you for that. Um, actually, well, I'm going to add one more question in. Um, All right, Columbo. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add one more in. Um, in terms of retail, um, in a two-guys smoke shop, Dave kind of touched upon this on the show last weekend. Um, for those who maybe didn't see that, what's really selling good right now? Like what's hot, what's, what's really popular in the, in the store and online that everyone's really kind of going after? Uh, Agonorsa Supreme Leaf is really popular right now. Uh, the new Garofalo La Familia is really popular, specifically in the sun-grown line. And if you're a fan of Perdomo, uh, these cigars are made at Perdomo. Uh, exclusively for David Garofalo and United Cigars. Um, since January 1st, they've started keeping a track of what I've been smoking online. I want to know how many cigars I smoke in the course of the year. Mm -hmm. um, the, the way it's going right now, uh, I might have to take the link off my Facebook page because my wife's going to be like, you spent that much money on cigars? Um, but I've since the beginning of the year, I probably smoked it every two or three days. Um, I'm still a huge fan in the Nesta Miranda special selection. Oh, that's a good uh, one. 
Yeah, that's 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 moving really, really well. Um, Rojas Blue Bonnet's moving really well. And, of course, since we named it Cigar of the Year, uh, All Saints St. Francis is moving really, really well. Um, so those are probably some of the top sellers right now at twoguyscigars.com. Yeah, those are some great cigars, too. I mean, that's a pretty good lineup. Even just the first one, that Supreme Leaf, we, we got a box of um, last year's release, I believe, right? Yeah, we got the yeah, Torpedo. Yeah, the Torpedoes. Yeah. And if it, I said Supreme Leaf, my bad. I meant to say Rare Leaf. Uh, ah. you can't find it. Yeah, you can't <laughs> find the Supreme Leafs now. We were just talking about oh. the Supreme Leafs. Um, but I know uh, those will be coming sometime in February probably. And those are great. Yeah, those I, are. I, phenomenal. I never had the first because they're on their what? It'll be their fourth release this year. Of out. what? The Supreme? Rare Leaf? Oh, Supreme Leaf. Supreme Leaf. I think, I, I think fifth. fifth. I think it's fifth, yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I've only had the last two years worth, but. They were great. I had to buy a box every time. So, I, I I've had all of them. Uh, my favorite so far has been the Toro. Yeah. I thought that one was really yeah, good. Yeah, Toro. I like the Torpedo Bellicoso, whichever one they called it. And I'm looking forward to this year, which uh, is Corona Gorda is it or uh, what? Corona Gorda was a couple years ago. But regardless, every year every release has been fire. So yeah. I'm looking forward to this year's release. And the only thing that sucks about it is, you know, I think the maximum you can get is ten per shop. So you, you look at twoguyscigars.com, we have three retail shops and, and the online entity. So those ten boxes only go so far. I wish they would double at least double the production, but I understand keeping it limited. Yeah, absolutely. Um you know, we're running out of time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start to wrap it up here. Um, I want to just kind of plug really quickly. Uh, Spare note show it's back again. Um, it has been two weeks. Uh, this Saturday night, you can find Coop and myself. With Spare note show. It's gonna be a pretty interesting show. It might be a long show. So buckle up and get ready. And then of course, who knows what Coop's gripe of the week is? So I'm <laughs> sure. And then yeah, he'll be talking about cigar gripes and then uh, football gripes. Uh, we can all. I'll thank the New York Giants organization for firing Joe Judge because not for the sake of the team, but so that uh, William Cooper can now shut up about Joe Judge. Uh, and I say that with love, Coop. I do. Um, the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation Smoke and Tobacco Fundraiser kicks off once again this year, May 1st on our uh, – no. sorry, March 1st. March 1st. Sorry, March <laughs> 1st. Uh, right here on the show, we'll begin that. We'll have another round of awesome things that we're going to raffle off to raise money for the Cigar Family Charitable Foundation. Last year, we were able to raise over $7,000, uh, which was really impressive, and we thank everyone who was involved in that. Um, Barry, I know you already kind of plugged uh, this weekend's show with the Cigar Authority. The Firecracker will be unveiled this weekend on the show. Yeah, it'll also be uh, Dave's annual State of the Cigar Industry Address. Uh, where have we been? Where are we going? And then uh, next weekend, uh, after the, a week from Saturday, Sok Steve Sokka is going to be on the show, and he's going to answer the question, how much does it really cost to get into the cigar industry? Ooh, that'll be a good you episode. Know, everybody wants to come out with their own brand. He's going to tell you how much capital you need to do just that. That'll be interesting. And on that note, um, next week we have Sin and Josh Coburn, who just bought Dissident Cigars coming on yes um and they just bought them i think in december so mm -hmm. new acquisition for them and um they'll be on next week's show yeah we'll talk a little bit about them and kind of who they are they're definitely uh a newer face 
to a lot of people in the industry um, as well as the consumers. So we'll get to know them a little bit more and a little bit more about the brand and uh, kind of what their plans are with that brand and where they see themselves going with it. So that'll be a really fun show. So don't miss that one. Don't forget, as always, to like and subscribe. Uh, whether you listen at home on the podcast or you're watching us on social media or on video, uh, we love you and appreciate you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. And also, don't forget to go to smokingtobacco.com for more news and content and stories and stuff like that. And with that, that's going to be our show for the week. Barry, thank you so much for being with us tonight. It was a pleasure to have you. Uh, we covered a lot of good ground. And um, this was fun. We should do it again. I appreciate that. And if you would allow me, I'd like to uh, dedicate this show to my father-in-law who yes. uh, passed away today at 2.30. Uh, so I'd like to dedicate this show in his memory. Hank Beliveau, thank you for giving me the wife I don't have that I never deserved. Yeah, our, our thoughts are, are with you and Heidi right now. Um, and again, we, we send our condolences and, and our love. Um, you. To you guys right now, I know it's a, I know it's a really difficult time for you guys personally. So, um, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with you, um, as always. But it's gonna do it for us. It was a great show. We had a lot of fun, a lot of ground covered. I'm gonna cover even more on the spare note show on Saturday night, so don't miss it. All right, guys, take care. All right, bye. Take care. <laughs>